I think too many Christians are satisfied with having God in their bio and the devil in their bed. There will be people in heaven who really surprise you are there and you're not gonna care at all. It is not gonna bother you one second that they made it. But I think on the other hand, there'll be people you're surprised aren't there. My senior year of high school, what did I do? I Googled dope Bible verses for motivation. You said dope. Dope. <laughs> not powerful. Dope. Dope. Put Colossians 3.14 on the back of my cleats. Let's ride. You know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't have been farther emotionally, spiritually, and mentally farther away from actually abiding to who Jesus says I am and walking in the victory that I have in him. The only thing man needs falls from the sky. Water. It falls from the sky. Literally. If he does all these things, well, of course he knows the only way to fulfillment for my own life. That's the whole point of God, the incarnation that God became a man so that he could do for man what man can't do for himself. That'll set you free right there. Amen, brother. Um, I just want to get right into the thick of it. Yeah. I was reading Luke 5, verses 4 through 6, and I posted on my Instagram that this is kind of my verse for 2023. And the base thought is, all earthly wisdom and logic goes out the door when you're dealing with the one who created the world. Right. When... I look at Luke 5, verses 4 through 6. It says, Simon and Andrew, Simon and, you know, Simon who was later renamed Peter, and Andrew, his brother, they were fishermen and they were fishing mm-hmm. and they came upon the shore and they saw Jesus teaching. And Jesus comes and he starts to teach. And uh, he looks at Andrew and, and Simon. He says, Cast your net one more time. Right. They say, Lord, we've been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. Mm-hmm. But at your word, we will cast our net one more time. They cast their net and they're catch begins to break their nets because it's so big when you look they were fishermen right that's how they made their money jesus is a carpenter yeah how are you going to tell me about fishing when you don't you're you're a rabbi you're you're a carpenter you have no that's not we've been doing this for years this is how we put food on our table yet they understood that jesus's wisdom is truly understanding your position in the pecking order of who's wise and and who we submit to, Mm -hmm. right? When you look at my life, I'm a master of none. I'm not a fisherman. These fishermen could have literally sat up there and been like, we know what we're doing. We've been doing this all our life and said, no, you're you're dumb, Jesus. We're not going to do it. Right. Then look at me, but they, but they're them being masters of their trade, even submitted to Jesus, me being a master of none. I mean, I'm trying to put my identity in my success. I'm a mediocre college student. I have all C's. I have a 2.5 GPA, mediocre basketball player, D3 basketball player. Like anything I could have put my, I'm a master of none. Right. Yet, all the while, I'm like, I got it. I'm not going to listen to Jesus because I got this life. Yeah. Yet, the masters of their craft even submitted to the wisdom of Jesus. Well, and that's true. And, and at the end of the day, Jesus caught them on a day they did not feel like a master of their craft. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was not like Jesus walked up and they had just caught the greatest haul they had ever had, you know, on their in their climactic moment when things are really beginning to take off. Jesus didn't show up in that moment. He showed up when they were quite literally at rock bottom. The nets that they were using were drag nets. They were dragging them along the bottom of the ocean. That's why they had to wash their nets. You would ask yourself, why do they wash their nets? They're in water all day. Mm-hmm. It's because they had collected a bunch of junk. No fish, right? But when Jesus shows up, when they've done nothing but collect trash, 
They don't feel like a master of their craft. And Jesus shows them, I may be a carpenter, but I can catch fish easier than you can. He fills their nets. They have to call in a whole nother boat. And then he says, follow me and I'll, I'll make you become fishers of men. So in a moment when they could have gone with their forte, in a moment when they could have just said, you know what, we're going to stick with what we've mastered. They realized that there was someone who had mastered it greater than them. And he had never even spent a day doing it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where, for me, that is where I, I have to start is that at the end of the day, God knows infinitely more about Keenan Clark than Keenan Clark does. God, it, the same way God knew infinitely more about fishing than the fishermen did. God knows infinitely more about Keenan Clark than even Keenan Clark does. Keenan Clark doesn't understand his motives all the time. I don't really know. Am I really being nice? Or is my being nice actually manipulative? Because if I, I know if I'm nice, I'll get what I want. That's manipulation, right? I don't even understand why I do what I do, but the Lord does. And I think that's one of the places I come back to is, you know, the things I, I think I understand about the world and the things I think I understand about myself and eternity and all of that, I have to lay at the feet of the one I know at the end of the day, even if he doesn't ever explain it to me. I know he knows every nook, cranny, pocket, corner, and crevice of how that thing works. And I'm on the journey of following him and allowing him to reveal to me what he wants to reveal. I loved what Braden was saying. I mean, to me, it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe in God. It takes more faith to believe that there isn't a God than to believe that there is. Creation testifies of its creator. I mean, I'm about to have a baby at this point when this podcast launches, I will have a baby. Crazy um, you know, I, I've it's always close. under, it's crazy. I mean, we're, we're, we're like right now we're a month out, but it's wild to me. I've always thought about, you know, the beauty of childbirth, the beauty of the fact that like human beings create other human beings, but it's not until all of a sudden you're doing it, you know, you're a part of it that you begin to think, man, how could you think about childbirth? How could you think about a baby being fashioned in the womb and, and not recognize that there is, in fact, an intelligent creator behind all of this? I mean, the fact that the earth, if it were like just any closer to the sun, we would burn up. But if we were any further from the sun, we would freeze. The fact that everything is exactly to the precise percentage the way it needs to be in order to sustain life. It takes more faith to believe that was an accident than to believe it was there's a creator. There's an and intelligent the, designer. Science you say this a lot. Science is a correlation in in alignment with explaining the supernatural aspects of God. Right. It it gives us actual data to analyze how God has moved. The galaxy's expanding at like three trillion light years a second and it's right. constantly expanding. Right. When God said, Let there be light, boom. I mean, this explains, this aligns with, you know biblical things but i think it just comes down to wisdom. science is always proving the bible right exactly always like it's like hey the more we get to know the human body the more i mean even think back to um the way god laid out levitical laws for moses yeah. there were so many things god asked them to do and it's because he knew how to keep the body clean he knew mm -hmm. how to keep in you know, disease out of the camp yeah yeah, yeah he, he was you know one of the things is don't poop where you eat you know what I mean? Like literally, that's one of the laws. Like you cannot poop around the place <laughs> that you are going to eat because things will get infected, right? Yeah. And over and over, there's sanitary laws. And it wasn't just because God's like trying to be picky. It's because he understands I made the body and I know how to 
preserve the body. And now that medical science has caught up to that, we're like, oh, shoot, the blueprints God gave the people of Israel in the wilderness is what we ought to be following. I think when you look at the way God has designed everything and put everything in place, I think doing life and living life the way God has designed is the ultimate way to live your life to the ultimate satisfaction. To to have the ultimate fulfillment in life, I think following biblical principles, ultimately following Jesus is the way to have have the most out of the human experience. Without a doubt. And when you look at it, like practicals, my life's better. You said this. You say, I don't rope God to have a mental for, for a mental advantage, but it's also natural that when you rope and you're following Jesus, you're going to have a natural, you're going to have a mental advantage. Oh, uh, without a doubt. No, I, uh, yeah, you said I don't rope God. Yeah, I can't catch God with the rope, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I don't, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't do anything for, uh, you know, once you get to know Jesus, you know that that's, the highest priority is just knowing him, but out of that naturally comes. There's the advantage of peace through all tribulation, which, you know, doing bad at a rodeo isn't tribulation, or yeah, that's not a struggle, right? And I think we have to really quickly just note a, a difference here between knowing someone and meeting someone, yeah. right? And I think that is the journey of following God is and following Jesus is you meet God in a moment but you know him over a lifetime. Yeah. And so many people, they say they know God and they don't know him. They met him. They got saved one, you know, one Sunday, they raised their hand, but they have never spent time getting to know him. They've never really, you know, yeah. delved into the word. Right. And that is the difference. You know, a lot of people, when they want to flex and they, they, you know, like they say they met a celebrity, they'll say, I know that guy. Okay. You met him in the streets of Soho on a, on a whim when you were on a vacation with your family but you don't know him. Like, you're not boys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, you, you, that's why ultimately at the end of it all, Jesus says there will be people who get to heaven and they'll say, Lord, we did all these yeah. things in your name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Yeah. Because it's not about, did you know my stats? I mean, I, I, there are so many people. I guarantee you, you know, I don't even know, think of somebody famous, you know, I'll go Paul McCartney, you know, or let's go, uh, uh, yeah, let's go George Strait, right? There's so many fans who could tell you George Strait's stats as Mm -hmm. far as how many number ones, what year that song went number one, how long was it on the number one chart, you know, how long was it on the billboards? They can tell you stats. His wife may not be able to tell you his stats, but she knows him right? A fan may know the statistics and know the information because they've studied his Wikipedia page, but his wife knows him. And that's what we are. We're not the, we're not the weird little nerds over here studying in our man cave, you know, the intricacies of God and trying to memorize stats. We're the bride of Christ. God wants to be known, not just us be able to rattle off facts about him and get somebody to understand him the way we understand him. People accomplishing their walk with God versus Mm -hmm. walking in relationship with God. Yeah. I studied Christianity. I read the Bible. I prayed my prayer. I know a couple of scriptures to right. help me when in my time of need, but when it truly walks down to their day day to day, are you actually walking with God? Right. <clears throat> and a lot of times it's a similar aspect of what you're saying. You know him, <clears throat> but are you are you you've you're acquaintances with him, mm-hmm. you're familiar with him, but you don't know him. Yes. And that only comes from <clears throat> and that that's I would say that was part of who I was prior to being, I feel like I was saved in 2020. 
I was familiar with the Christian lingo. I was right. familiar with the Christian words. Christianese. I, I had a Colossians Bible verse. I don't remember which one. On my football cleats, my senior year of high school. What did I do? I Googled dope Bible verses for motivation. You said dope. Dope. That's <laughs> Not powerful. <laughs> dope. Dope. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, Colossians like 3.14, for example. That's the one I want to do. Put Colossians 3.14 on the back of my cleats. Let's ride. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it was, but I had, oh, couldn't have been walking farther from from God. Right. I couldn't have been farther emotionally, spiritually, and mentally farther away from actually abiding to who Jesus says I am and walking in the victory that I have in Him. And that's so many people's walk is, and there's 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 a spectrum to that too. Me, 180 away from God, but there's also people who are saved and are walking. In complacency. Mm. Like we've said multiple times, you can miss out on miracles in your life today because you aren't pressing into God's word, pressing into God's nature, pressing into God. You can miss out on things. And I think people are missing out on intimacy. Well, and that's I, why Christians, like you said, can be depressed. Christians can mm-hmm. be anxious. You're saved, but you're depressed. It's because you're not fully pressing into Jesus. Yeah. I think too many Christians are satisfied with having God in their bio and the devil in their bed, right? Like they're way too satisfied with like, hey, I I threw out a scripture, I threw out a thing. I'm you know as far as like Facebook is concerned, my religion is Christian. Yeah. Um, you know, a Republican. You know, I'm I'm this I'm as straight and narrow as they come, brother. <laughs> and too many Christians are satisfied with re, you know relinquishing God to their bio so that everyone else knows, but they don't actually know the God that they claim to know because they're living for the devil everywhere else. And I'm not condemning anyone. I'm not saying anyone is going to hell for that. I believe that the grace of God not only covers all your sin past, but it does present and future, right? But what good is it to live heaven ready, but hell on earth? Because you don't step into the life Jesus died to give you here and now. You're ready to step into your eternity one day, praise the Lord. But you miss out on what we talked about on the last podcast I was a part of heaven coming to earth. And that is ultimately what the Lord wants to do in our lives. It's like Gerardo said, nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to die to go to heaven. You know, it's so true. Which heaven is the presence of God. It's the presence of God. Yeah. uh, So I was going to go back a little bit on what I was saying earlier. Just like, because I I don't know, I just felt this like, um, just I wanted people to, that you know, that are first kind of getting into you know, should I, you know, should I follow God? Should I this, you know, and I would just say like, you know, what, what could you be missing out on? Imagine all the time you waste in a day, you know, what, what could you be missing out on just trying to, trying to know God and trying to meet God? You know, how, how much could you miss out on? Right? Like we spend hours on, on TikTok and and Instagram and and all these things, Mm -hmm. but what, you know, to what end, you know, so I, I would just say, look around, take some time to, if you, if you're questioning God, look around it is his, his design is all over, you know, every, every part of what he did is so specific. And that's really, that's what changed my life because I, I looked around and I saw, I saw beauty and design. And I said, well, if God makes the trees green and if he makes rain come from the sky, you know, you know, you hear people say this all the time. You know, I just wish, you know, whatever it is, they say, 
man, I, if it just fell from the sky, that'd be nice, right? Mm-hmm. The only thing man needs falls from the sky. Water. It falls from the sky, literally. So let that, let these things sink in on the specific design of what, who God is. And sorry, so going back, what changed me was just seeing that design and then saying, if he does all these things, well, of course he knows the only way to fulfillment for my own life. Mm-hmm. It's true. Of course. You know, why Why would I think otherwise? Right. Right? So having that trust that he truly knows what's best for me. Of course. Mm-hmm. If at you, the simplest form. That's what it is. And it's such, it a, is. it's such a wild, self-centered thought that you were, I was actually in a place of thinking that I had knowledge above God, because that's basically what you're saying. If you're living your own life, you're saying, I know more about fulfilling myself than God knows about fulfilling me. I mean, hypothetically speaking, I, you posted a real, you were young. This is young, Keenan, when you did the 25%, God, if you know this, the smartest man in the world, then the rest of the circle. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was like 2020, Keenan. It's so true. It's like we think, like, hypothetically, if there's a God that is real out there, he would be, have infinite more, infinitely more knowledge than the humans who live on the world today. Even Albert Einstein, Sir Isaac Newton, like all these people, he's infinitely smarter than. Um, the Bible right. verse says, even the foolish, full, even the full, I cannot speak, even the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. Right. Understanding, that's back to the wisdom point, understanding how wise and the design of what he has for us that he truly knows what's best for me. But I want to revisit an idea I had like one thought that triggered so much growth for me was someone by the name of Francis Chan said this mm-hmm. and I'm a paraphrase and put my own spin on it. But when you look about missing out on God's screen time, you make all this analogy, how much we miss out on a eerie thought is that the actions and how we live this life on earth today affect how eternity will be. Mm-hmm. In the famous is the the rope analogy, where there's a right. long rope, and you know this little part of the rope is this red tip, is our life on Earth. The rest of it's eternity, and how we live that determines eternity. And you look at missing out; it's an eerie thought for me to think, man, if I just sacrifice, which is really not sacrifice. We think, oh, I'm a sacrifice fun. I remember having a thought, and I told you this the other day. How do Christians have fun without drinking? I mean, how how did like you have fun without without partying, without doing bad things? Like, yeah. how shallow is your life to where you even have that thought? Because following Jesus is the opposite of what you think. Following Jesus is the the fulfillment of your desires. Yes, the peak of human existence. Right. You you follow Jesus, and your joy radiates. Where there was depression, where there was dependency on a on a substance substance for happiness, comes freedom and dependency on. Jesus, which is freedom. Right. Christ is the substance of everything that we long for. I mean, that's why I think we quoted it even on the last pod that the Bible says this, that of, of the Lord, that at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures forevermore. And then it also says that Christ is seated at the right hand of God, that Christ is our, ple- he is our pleasure forevermore, mm-hmm. that there is pleasure. I'm talking real pleasure. The devil only offers us counterfeit pleasure. Sure. There's real fulfillment. I mean, I'm talking fulfillment, even just pleasure yeah. in the presence of God. And so many people, you know, to use your language of what you were just saying, missing out. So many people think, well, if I follow God, look at all the things I'm going to miss out on. 
Like I'm just following God's going to cause me to miss out. Following God will cause you to miss out. It'll cause you to miss out on anxiety. It'll cause you to miss out on heartbreak. It'll cause you to miss out on confusion. It'll cause you to miss out on regret. You know, cause following God will cause you to miss out, but on the things you want to miss out on. And that's the thing the devil doesn't tell you, but the things he's leading you to ensure you are going to walk through those things. When I look at, you want to say something? Yeah. So like I have, I've had this, this thought for a while and, and I just know I've set people free of, of a lot of religion and, it's understanding that even in the Old Testament law, God's design for the law was to set boundaries up so that people could exist in harmony, right? right? If everyone lived a life the way that the law was meant to be, then people would exist in complete harmony. And think about this. Stop thinking about what, you know, the God's laws lying, uh, you know, cheating on your you know, cheating on your spouse or, uh, you know, your mother and father, yeah, all these things. You have to quit looking at those things as just from your selfish perspective of saying, Oh, now I have to do all these things for God. I have to do all this for God. God did it for you, right? If someone lies to you, then who is it hurting you? He's trying to protect you. You have to look at it from God is also calling not just me to not cheat on my wife or my girlfriend or, you know, having sex before marriage, he's also calling, he's also having my future spouse or my spouse. Right. He's also calling them to not cheat on me. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And that'll set you free of, it's understanding of God is doing it. He did it for me. Yeah. He did it for you, right? He did it not just so that you would have these hoops to jump through for, uh, for us to to because he's such a perfect holy God, which he completely is, yeah. and, and and the but but what makes him so perfect and holy is his desire for love and and perfection uh, among humans. Right. Think about the Ten Commandments like this. They are phrased this way: "You shall have no other gods before me." Yeah. It doesn't say "Don't, don't. Yeah. have other gods before me." You. If that's the phrasing of it. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not commit murder. It go, Literally, all of them start with, you shall not. And most of us think that is God telling us, don't do those things. But let's think about it. When God told light to shine, yeah. he said, let there be light. That, w- that was not him telling someone, turn a light on. It was him commanding something to be, and it just happened, right? Because he was what had to cause that thing to happen. When yep. ultimately now, whenever we look at our lives and we look at the the power of God displayed in our regenerated state, we think, okay, I got to work my darndest and hardest to make sure that I don't, you know, break the big 10, right? That I don't go against them. Right. But ultimately what God is saying is, if you will make me the Lord of your life for real, you shall have no other gods before me. It's true. These things will just happen is what it's yeah. really trying to say. And I think that's there's so much freedom in that. Whenever I just focus on God, that's why Jesus says all the law and all the prophets hang on these two things, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. Every single one of them, all the Big Ten, all the other you know, 630 or 600 and whatever religious and ceremonial laws, all of them are fulfilled. Yep. And focusing on the Lord and then focusing on what the Lord loves, and that's his people. Every single one of them. When I look at the Ten Commandments, and I've said this on the podcast, the basis of the Ten Commandments is God put them in to protect his people. They transgressed. So when you know, in the Garden of Eden, 
Adam and Eve transgressed, so he right. kicked them out of the garden for their protection. Right. When you look at the Levitical laws, they were put in for protection because right. the people were straying. All of the laws and ordinances that that the Old Testament displayed were put in for protection and for love. But at the end of the day, when we present the gospel, I always say this: the standard for the standard for righteousness to get into heaven is perfection. It's the Ten Commandments. So if you haven't done these things, you're not worthy, right? And I use the analogy: it is like you have lettuce in your teeth. You go to the mirror. Mm-hmm. You see the lettuce in your teeth. You're not going to walk away with not getting the lettuce out of your right. teeth. It's the same thing. But when I say that stuff, sometimes, I mean, I never had this intention, but I never realized my vocabulary is displaying this. But like an ill will or a, the Ten Commandments are showing you you're not worthy. So having a negative connotation about the Ten Commandments in terms of um, somewhere like they're worse off or like this is mean God, like we talked about mm. last week. Yeah. But the reality is I was reading the Psalms and it was saying the precepts and the laws of his ways are pure, are yeah, righteous, yeah. are worthy, are honorable. Yeah. Even though these things, the Ten Commandments and the laws show us how bad we are, yeah, it's a us problem, it's not a God problem. It's not right? a God problem. And that is why, I mean, ultimately, we had to understand, we, we would have not had a litmus test, if you will, for how perfect God held the standard unless God had given us the law. And if God had not given us the law, we would have never seen anyone who could fulfill it. And that's why Jesus came to fulfill the law. So that's why Jesus stood out was because, holy smokes, this dude's actually done it. He did everything. He never, he never one time stepped over the line, right? He never one time colored outside the lines. He did it perfectly. And had we not had, had the Jewish people, had the Hebrew people not had, hey, this is the criteria for the Messiah, when the Messiah could have showed up and they wouldn't have even known it was him. I mean, so what good is it for Jesus to show up if nobody recognizes he's Jesus? If nobody, re- he dies on the cross, but nobody recognizes the significance of that. Therefore, no one could put their faith in it, right? We had to have a backstory. We had to have a plot in order for us to understand the main event, right? The main character. And the main character of the Bible, do not get it twisted, is not you. It is Jesus. Amen. Amen. I look at, I mean, this gets to one of the original God thoughts that I had. This is like, I have like five core thoughts. This led right into one, which is a lot of people go to their original introduction to the Christian religion, which is not a religion, but just use that vocabulary with me is someone presented hell with me. A street preacher said, repent or go to hell. That's how they're exposed to it. Right. So a fear of hell motivates them to check off a box to then say, oh, I'm okay. Right. Whereas somewhat of my story is along those lines of fear of hell or fear of punishment, a, this realization that this is all real sin, heaven, hell. But what I realized is the, tr- the, the root of it was a fear of, being, of facing the throne of God, fear of being judged by the God who created the world. Because hell is a byproduct of being judged. Mm-hmm. If you don't enter into heaven and you don't have the blood of the lamb covering you to get into heaven, right? you're going to be eternally separated and hell is a label that we've put on being separated from God for eternity. Right. So we hell is can never be the motivation for coming into coming into religion and what I realized is when I was pursuing these thoughts or when I was the the fear that was at the root of everything was I was scared for one day that I would have to answer the God who created me and created the world and every decision that I've made I will be before a tangible 
being because he's bigger than you know human. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Right. Jesus, uh, God doesn't have a body, so there's I'm gonna be sitting before the throne of God. Something it's gonna be a, an experience, and I'm gonna have to answer for everything I've done. And he's the only one that can give a keyword verdict. Ver- yeah. Verdict is the word that was running from me that I could never find that I was looking for my life. I'm looking for the verdict from my success, right. the verdict from my the way I look, all these different examples. Verdict was the was the missing link. But we have to understand that God is the only one who can give the verdict because he's the judge. A judge can when you're in the courtroom, the judge gives the verdict. Right. The people, there's a uh what are those people? Jury. There's a jury that actually that analogy falls down because don't they get the verdict? Sometimes there is a trial by jury and yeah. they're able to give a verdict. We'll cut like, this out. but well, well, yeah, no, that no, I was no, but, I was flowing into well, that. And what you what you what you're saying is this is not a trial by jury. Exactly. It's a trial by judge. We exactly. don't have a, we don't have these pe- a panel of people who get to decide our fate. It's ultimately have you put your faith in Jesus or not. And that's what the judge looks to. Exactly. Yeah. People don't understand that that's what they're looking for. Right. They're looking for the verdict. The verdict tells you you're valuable, you're loved, you're enough, you're something, you're, you are, you've made something of yourself, but that verdict can only come from God the Father, or I don't, that's a good question. When you face the judgment seat of Christ, is it? It's God the Father. It's God the Father. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's when, you know, you find out whether or not your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the only thing that puts your name in the Lamb's Book of Life is that you surrendered your life to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That you said that what he did on that cross counts for me. Yeah. Bam. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the devil does not have the eraser. He wants to convince you he does, but he does not have access to the Lamb's book of life. Only God does. And there is nothing, nothing can snatch you from the palm of God's hand. Uh, Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, Paul in in Romans chapter eight, you know, theologians call it the great eight, but he over and over says all of these things that like neither angels nor demons nor things present nor things to come, you know, nothing in all creation is what he says. Guess what that includes? You, come on, you cannot separate yourself from the love of God. You are completely loved by God, and there is not a dang thing you can do about it. Like, I'm sorry, tough luck, you're loved, you know what I mean? And the crazy thing is about about us as humans is we all have the irresistible desire to be irresistibly desired, and the good news is we are. We are irresistibly desired. God so irresistibly desired us that he could not stay up in his lofty celestial hall of heaven that he left. That's what makes, that's what makes Christmas Christmas. So many people think You're preaching now, Keenan. I'm preaching. I can't even take this off. (laughs) So many people think that Jesus's story starts in a manger. Jesus's story does not start in a manger. Where does it start, start, it, It starts in a throne in heaven, if Jesus' story started in a manger, that's cute. But if Jesus' story starts in a throne and he leaves that throne to become a baby in a manger so that he could grow up to be a man on a cross, that's grace. The story becomes so much more impactful for when he had all the privileges as, all the, fa- the, privileges. as the Father has. He's in heaven. Yep. And he leaves the yep. heavenly glory of being at the right hand of the Father to be a servant. Yep. And be humbled and become the form of, and in the, in the, be born in the likeness of men. Yeah. Filthy flesh, sinful flesh. But tangible he, God. Tangible God. 
Yeah, and that that's the whole point. I posted that video the other day on my Instagram about, you know, me chasing this lost dog, you know, and I remember like the dog was terrified of me. I'm trying to rescue the dog, man. The dog's in the middle of the street, busy street. I'm trying to rescue this dog. If it'll get in the car with me, I'm going to do my darndest to try and get it home, right? And the dog was terrified of me. And I thought, man, if I could only in this moment become a dog for about 10 seconds, I could tell the dog in dog terms, hey, I'm only trying to help you. I'm only trying to save you, right? And, and that's when I realized that's exactly why God became a man. He became a man wow, so one. that he could tell men, I'm only trying to save you. You are lost and you need saving and I am the way home right? That's the whole point of God, the incarnation that God became a man so that he could do for man what man can't do for himself. That'll set you free right there. Amen, brother. Thank y'all for watching this episode. Had Keenan on. Thanks, Keenan, for coming on. Me and Brain, as always, we pray this blesses you. We pride ourselves on being a Christian podcast and resource. Please share this with a friend. We hope that it helps you and it helps others. And uh, we can't wait for the next video to see what happens. Stay tuned. Come so, on. God bless. God bless.